Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, August 20th. I'm Nyla Boudou. Here's what we're covering today. The view on the ground from Haiti. Plus, the case for starting holiday shopping now. But first, today's one big thing. How America feels about President Biden after a turbulent week. It's an interesting moment for President Biden right now, as the American public reacts to his decisions around Afghanistan alongside his handling of the Delta variant surge and the economic impacts of COVID-19. And while it's hard to say exactly where American opinions fall right now, polling shows the approval ratings honeymoon is over for the president. On Fridays, we often talk politics with Margaret Taleb, Axios' managing editor for politics, and she's with me to talk about what we know and do not know about President Biden's path ahead. Hey, Margaret. Good morning, Nyla. First things first, what do we know about how Americans are reacting to President Biden's leadership in this moment? I don't think that this news has settled yet in most Americans' minds. We know from an Associated Press NORC poll that was taken August 12th through 16th that a little bit more than half approve of the president on national security issues, 52 percent. And we know that about two out of three in that survey say that they don't believe the war in Afghanistan was worth fighting. But (laughs) you asked how Biden's doing. Uh, Real Clear Politics keeps a national polling average. This is an average of many polls that are out there that RCP tracks. It was 55 and a half percent for Biden when he took office. It's most recently at 49.6 percent. So that tells us, exactly as you said, that the honeymoon is over. But what we don't know yet is how much all of this will change. How will opinions settle as we see the images from Kabul of people passing their babies over fences, jamming onto aircraft, uh, perhaps images of death, people being uh, hurt or killed by the Taliban? How much attention are Americans paying to this in August when what Americans care more about when they're not on vacation is domestic politics, COVID-19, their kids going back to school, will they have a job, inflationary concerns? Margaret, one thing that you and I have been texting about this week as we've been talking about things is just when will we know? Like, I know this is all very new. At what point do we think these opinions may settle? This is sort of a magical question. We know it will at least be a week or two before people are paying attention. But there's another variable that's related, but not exactly the same. And that is the news that people consume. How people perceive a president has so much to do with where they get their news and where they get their opinion. And in the initial days, as Kabul fell... The news media, whether it was conservative news media, liberal-leaning, centrist, mainstream news, everybody was trying to understand what is happening and what is the reason for it. And now we're beginning to see uh, opinion shape the coverage more. If you are consuming news, news websites, news channels that are highly critical of Biden, that blame Biden for this, you are more likely to blame Biden yourself and you're more likely to be activated in that way. Axios' Managing Editor for Politics, Margaret Taleb. Thank you, as always, for being with us on Friday. And thank you in advance for filling in for me. Next week, you are going to be guest hosting while I'm on vacation. Thank you, Nyla. I'm looking forward to it. In 15 seconds, we're back with a report from the Haitian towns closest to the epicenter of last weekend's earthquake.
Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. On Monday, we heard about those in the Haitian diaspora reaching out to Haitians affected by a devastating earthquake last weekend. At least 2,200 people have been reported dead so far and tens of thousands injured. More than half a million others are in dire need. I've been talking to the Miami Herald's Caribbean correspondent, Jacqueline Charles, who sent me this dispatch yesterday via WhatsApp. She was on the road in Grandance, the westernmost region of Haiti. Five days after this powerful 7.2 earthquake struck Haiti, people are still coming to hospitals that were most impacted seeking medical care. In many cases, it's for wounds or treatment that could have been given in their community, but because they waited so long, because community health aid workers do not have basic medical supplies, wounds are becoming infected and some people risk getting their foot amputated. And the government sent out at least three convoys. But the kidnapping of two doctors within two days in Port-au-Prince raised questions about whether or not a supposed gang truce along the southern entrance of Port-au-Prince would hold to allow humanitarian aid trucks to come in. Meanwhile, the government says more than 684,000 Haitians are in need of urgent humanitarian assistance as a result of the August 14th earthquake. There was a mother who had to choose between who in her house she should bring to the hospital. She told me that all four individuals were hit by bricks or were a victim of the quake. And because she had no money, much less bus fare, she had to decide who was the most seriously injured, life-threatening that she had to bring in. These are the kinds of decisions that people have to make. Jackie and I both covered the 2010 earthquake in Haiti, and she's been covering pretty much every natural disaster in Haiti since then. I asked her how this one compares. In 2010, when the earthquake struck Port-au-Prince, Haiti's largest city, there were so many images of suffering, of destruction. Here, though this earthquake was much more powerful at 7.2, in some ways the suffering is a quiet suffering because for some of these victims, this is not their first calamity. They were victims of the 2010 earthquake and fled to the countryside. And then they encountered Hurricane Matthew five years ago, and now this. Jacqueline Charles is the Miami Herald's Caribbean correspondent. Yesterday, we spoke with Axios Markets correspondent Sam Rowe about how consumer spending is reacting to this moment in the pandemic. Well, now Axios Des Moines reporter Lynn Ta this week has another piece of the COVID consumer puzzle for us. And it might mean you should be thinking about buying holiday presents now. Lynn is here to explain more. Hey, Lynn. Hey there. Lynn, it seems kind of nutso to be thinking about buying holiday presents in August. Why should people be thinking about this now? So I spoke with University of Iowa professor Jennifer Blackhurst, who teaches business analytics, and she said that she already bought Christmas presents for her kids because she was worried that they wouldn't be available at the end of the year. So the big issue that we're facing still is the supply and demand bottleneck. We just haven't regained the inventory that we lost through the huge consumer demand and surge earlier this year. So everything from electronics to housing goods to clothes. And is the Delta variant, the cases on the rise across the world, going to make that even worse? 
So one of the issues is that, especially in China, we're already seeing some major trading ports have to close down due to positive COVID-19 cases. And we can expect that production is going to be slower as people have to quarantine. So it's definitely put more of an issue into it. Axios Des Moines reporter and co-author of the Des Moines newsletter, Lynn Ta. Thank you for joining us, Lynn. Thank you. Before we end this week, tomorrow's a very special birthday here in D.C. Our newest giant panda cub at the National Zoo turns one year old. Can you believe it's been a whole year since Xiao Chi Ji, which translates to Little Miracle, was born? The Smithsonian National Zoo is celebrating with individual ice cakes for breakfast for Xiao Chi Ji and his parents. In case you're wondering, the ice cake is a birthday cake version of a favorite panda treat, the fruitsicle. The festivities will be live-streamed on the zoo's panda camp starting at 7.30 Eastern tomorrow morning. That's all for this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Alexandra Boti, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, and Sabina Singh-Ani. Our sound engineers are Alex Sugiyara, Michael Hamp, and Ben O'Brien. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer, and Sarah Kane Goo is our executive editor. As always, special thanks to Axios co-founder Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have the best weekend. 